You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, you're listening to episode 36 of the Blended Family Podcast. Before I start today, I have to talk about the strangest story I heard in the news this week. I'm sure you heard it too. A judge ordered three children to juvenile detention just because they refused to have lunch with their dad. The kids were aged 9, 10, and 15. According to the judge, she felt the children were being disrespectful and acting horrible towards their father for no reason. Apparently, she's been dealing with this family for some time. However, according to the kids, their father was abusive towards their mom, and they didn't want to see him because of that. I don't know how I feel about this story. I don't think the judge had any right to impose such a serious punishment. I just think it's really strange. But it's a good reminder to us all to just try to keep the kids out of our divorces as much as possible. These kids suffered for no good reason, except that they were involved in some of their parents' drama. The judge did end up releasing the children, but I think they spent a few days away there. And I still just can't understand how a judge could have done such a thing. In any case, please keep your children out of your affairs if possible. The kids are the ones who always suffer. Now, this was a national story, but oftentimes I only hear about local stories. If you come across a news story that you think is relevant for blended families or anything you think the other listeners would be interested in, please let me know. You can always email me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. So let's get into today's topic. This is going to be part one of a two-parter on teenagers. A while back, I promised you an episode on teens and social media, and here it is. Next week, we'll follow up with an interview with one of the authors of the book, Got Teens. Now, if you have young ones, you might be thinking you don't need to listen to this show, that you have plenty of time before they will be teenagers. Please listen anyway, because before you know it, they will be there. Advanced preparation is key. Most of them just seem to change into teenagers overnight, and you want to be ready for this. If you're a regular listener, you know that I am going through this stage right now. And of all the many stages, I find this one to be the most challenging and quite honestly, horrifying. Why do I say that? Well, I truly believe a lot of the issues we face nowadays with teenagers is due to the social media. Our children are exposed to so much on a daily basis, things that we were never exposed to. And it's very frustrating as a parent because we can't really control it all. It's a different world now. You know, when I think about it, I know that if we had the same access back then, we would have been doing the same things. But now that I'm a parent, of course, I don't want them caught up in all this. So how have things changed since we were teens? Well, depending on how old you are, it may vary. 
I'm 38 and I did not have a cell phone until way after high school. In fact, we had beepers, but not until I was in 10th grade, I think. And if you got a beep, you had to find a payphone. I can't even remember when I got my first cell phone, but it wasn't until in my 20s, and it wasn't a smartphone. It was a basic phone, not even texting at that point. My first smartphone wasn't until I was in my 30s. That's how new this technology really is. And now... Well, the kids are all asking for iPhones in elementary school. Think about that. It's crazy. And if you decide you're going to be the parent that holds out, you're going to hear the sob story. You'll be the only parent that won't get your child a phone. At least that's what your kid will tell you. What makes it even harder, some of the high schools actually require your child to have that phone now for class. Besides all that, with the world such a scary place right now, we all want our children to have the phone to get in touch with us, especially with blended families. Oftentimes, that's the only way for our children to have contact with us when they're with the other parent. Lots of people don't have home phones anymore, and most of you would probably rather call your child directly than to have to call your ex to make that connection. So yes, this is the world now. Most kids have phones. The choice whether to give your child the smartphone or a basic phone is up to you, and it should be considered carefully. For those of you who are not yet at this point, you want to listen to this show so that you have the facts before making the decision. For others, you might not know exactly what your kids are up to with their phones, as most kids nowadays are more technologically advanced than us. And I will say every child is different and they do not all get into trouble with their phones. This show is really about awareness. Now, one thing I didn't do that I wish I had from the beginning is make a cell phone contract. I didn't do it with the first three kids, but I will be doing it with my youngest, who will be getting her first smartphone this year on her birthday. And we'll be talking more about this contract next week in the interview, so make sure you tune in, because the authors of that book put a very good example of a phone contract in the book. Some of you may be familiar with a school phone contract, which is the guideline for school use of the phone, and that's not what I'm referring to here. This is your contract between you and your child outlining what is and what is not acceptable with that phone and what will happen if your child breaks the contract. Let me give you some examples of what you can include. You could note times of day they're allowed to use the phone. So maybe you want to limit it to three hours after school or maybe say not after a certain time of night. You might want to say there will be no phones at the dinner table. You might also want to put on there certain chatting sites that they are or are not allowed to visit. We'll talk more about those chatting sites in a few minutes. It's important to put on the contract that parents have rights to any and all passwords for their social media accounts. And anything else you think is important or relevant, you need to put on there. This way, the child knows what is expected. Don't forget to put on there the punishment, such as how long the phone will be taken away if they break the contract. This puts all the responsibility on the child, so they are in control over their own consequences. So that's important. 
Now here's where it gets tricky for us blended families. Different homes, different rules, right? If at all possible, print out two of these contracts, one for each home that the child visits. Have your ex sign the contract too, so you're all on board. Sounds too easy, I know. In many cases, your ex will not be on board. Maybe you restrict phone usage, but your ex doesn't. This is difficult because the child picks up on this right away. I encourage you to try to all be on the same page. If not, you can only do what you can do from your end. If you have an ex who is oblivious to everything, you need to step it up on your end. And that's bad for you because no one wants to be the bad guy all the time. But in this case, you're going to have to. It's about your child's safety. And wouldn't you rather they be mad at you than hurt in some way? Now, I do have some other suggestions, which I've learned from my own experience and also from talking to lots of other parents. The first one is those phones should not be going to bed with them at night. This is when most kids are using them inappropriately. With no parent to look over their shoulder, they can do whatever they want. Not only that, even if they're doing something innocent like playing games, do you really want them up at night when they should be sleeping? especially if they have school the next day. The rule at my house is that before they go to bed, that phone gets plugged into the charger in the kitchen. Now they will try to tell you they need it for an alarm clock. Go and buy them an alarm clock at the store. I think they're like $10. Trust me on this one. If you allow them to take their phone at night into their room, when you are asleep, they will be awake on chatting sites, trading pictures, or just not getting the sleep that they need. It's definitely easier if you set this rule from the very beginning, but if not, it's still okay. You're the parent and you're allowed to make changes in the rules as you see fit. Next, and this one is important. You should be checking that phone. Do you need to check it every day? I don't know. You have to determine what type of kid you have. I don't think that you should have a daily check-in at a certain time. Kids are smart and they know how to erase messages, pics, and browser history. If they know when you're going to check, they'll make sure they erase. What I suggest is periodically checking the phone when they don't expect it. Kids get lazy with erasing if they think you're not going to check. Probably the best method is to check it at night when they're asleep, but don't keep it entirely a secret or they'll get all bent out of shape over their privacy. They need to know in advance that whenever the parent sees fit, they can check their phone. Because of this rule, you need to know all of their passwords to their accounts, such as Facebook, Instagram, and any other social media sites. You can keep it written down, and they need to inform you if they change their password for anything. Something that you need to discuss with your child and check over yourself are the privacy settings for these sites, meaning who can see what your children are posting, and who can see their personal information. Some of these sites show exact location. So if your child is talking online to an unknown predator, that predator can see what your child looks like from a profile pic, and then they can even see their exact location. You do not want this. These child predators are smart, and the technology makes it easier for them. You need to have the talk with your children about this. Most kids are meeting friends online these days without really having met them in person. Anyone can make a profile using fake photos and pose as a peer to your child. 
You can go online and search examples of this and videos to prove this to your kids. There's also a show on TV called Catfish, and it might be a good idea to have them watch that. So now, let's talk about what they might be doing with their phones. Again, I'm not accusing all kids of doing this, but I want you to be aware. We all think our own kids would never do certain things, but yet they are. I myself was naive way too many times. So here's a general list of things that kids do with their smartphones. This is a list I've gotten from either some things my own kids have done, what they tell me their friends are doing, or what I've heard from other parents. Number one, they are sexting. Most of you know now what sexting is. Basically the act of texting others texts that are sexual in nature. Explain to your kids that sending these texts can be trouble. They may be just talking and have no intention of doing anything, but the other person doesn't know that. When together, this person may expect for sexual things to happen since it was discussed via text. Number two, they are sending nude or inappropriate photos. This goes along with the sexting, and it's equally boys and girls. I will tell you that my daughters are having boys regularly send them pics of their genitals without being prompted to do so. It's horrifying. What you need to explain to them is that any photos they share can float around forever on the internet for anyone to see. Not only that, but they should expect that whomever they send that photo to will most likely be sharing it with their friends. Number three, they are visiting chatting sites. Some of this is meant to be very innocent, but they don't know who they're really talking to. The internet is full of predators. You need to talk to your kids about these predators and where they lurk. Some of the popular sites right now for this are Instagram, Kick, Snapchat, Chat Roulette. There are others and there are new ones coming out all the time. These are just the ones that I hear my kids talk about all the time. Snapchat is where they send photos that instantly disappear. So they tend to send more nudes on that site. No child should be on Tinder as that's a hookup site for adults. Even Snapchat, I think, is listed as 18 and over. You should talk about these apps with your child. Kik is known for a lot of strangers, and, and Kik, if you don't know, is K-I-K. Um, a lot of strangers contact strangers on that site. Make sure your kids do not friend people that they do not know. Number four, they are watching porn or other adult content. When we were young and curious, we might have had to find a magazine or look at a channel when our parents were asleep or something, now kids have complete access to all kinds of things they're curious about. Lots of kids watch porn simply because they're curious. If you find your child is watching porn, understand that they most likely have questions about sex and how it is. You need to have the talk if you haven't already. The talk is not a one-time thing anyway, but rather a continuous conversation that should last all throughout puberty and beyond. The main thing you need to point out is that porn is not how real sex is. It's entertainment, and most of it is far from realistic. There is a website you can check out at www.makelovenotporn.com. It's got some great differences listed between porn and real-life sex. 
Many of them can be shared with your child to help them understand. I'll put that link in the show notes for you. And number five, the last thing I need to mention is that they could be bullying or getting bullied online. There's a lot of that going on right now on all the social media sites, a lot on Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure you have heard of the stories where kids, sadly, commit suicide over this. You have to talk to your children about this. Sometimes this starts innocent, but quickly gets out of hand. Just as much as you don't want your child the victim of this, you also don't want your child to be inflicting this kind of pain on another child. God forbid that child does anything to themselves, the finger could get pointed back to the children who are bullying. Derogatory comments of any kind are classified as bullying. Now, let me say again, not all kids are doing all of these things with their phones. Some kids are doing none of these things, and others are doing some of it. The key to all this is for you as a parent to be aware. Don't bury your head in the sand and ignore it. I know it's uncomfortable. Trust me, the first time I had to look through my daughter's phone, it kind of made me sick to my stomach. But you need to be on top of this. That means checking their phone and sometimes finding something that disappoints you. The more involved you are, the more you can keep them out of trouble. And really, that's all we can do at this age. Keep them as safe as we can. Their peer group means everything to them. And their peer group knows everything. We as parents take a back seat. The truth of it is they don't know anything. And they make decisions without understanding consequences. They aren't thinking about the future employer who looks at their Facebook page or even the college that they're applying to. They aren't thinking that photos they send can be posted anywhere without their permission or knowledge. It's up to us to stay on top of them as best as we can so they don't make mistakes that can cost them a lot. Even if it makes us the bad guy and they hate us for it, they will thank us later. So... That wraps up today's show. I hope that it gave you some insight into the topic of teens and social media. If there's anything that you want to add, you can do so in the Facebook group at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. Let's continue the conversation over there. Also, keep up to date with show information on the podcast Facebook page at facebook.com slash family. Don't forget to join us next week for the interview with an expert on teenagers, where we'll get into some more topics besides social media. If you subscribe, it will automatically show up in your feed. And if you have time, you can always throw me a rating and review. I would really appreciate it. I hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.